Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. What's up, everybody? All right. Hey, hey, what's up, man? Video's good. And I like I like the picture in the background. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm literally at the airport. So Jackson Hole, huh? That's a rough place. Yeah, man. Rough place to get stuck, right? There are definitely worse places. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just crazy. Like, yeah, like you can see like the airport is like pretty barren right now. Oh, a lot wow. of, uh, yeah, a lot of the, the flights were... Uh, either canceled or delayed right now. So, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, it's it's been so crazy. But yeah, man, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Hanging in there. Yeah. Uh, you know, besides, I have, oh yeah, my, my, my thug life tattoo. <laughs> my daughter. Nice. Put on me. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I keep like, I keep like, oh, I like keep seeing them on myself and forgetting that, that I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was good. Um, you know, I got, uh, kids that keep me up at night, but, uh, that's okay. That's what it's all about. That's so funny. Yeah. I just, uh, posted something the other day about like, I don't know. Have you heard of the aura ring? Like that kind of ring that kind of, um, tracks your, your sleep and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. And I got a bunch of comments from parents like saying like, you clearly do not have kids. If oh, that was me. Like, that was me. Oh yeah. yeah. That was you. Oh yeah. yeah I was thought. like, yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah, that looks awesome. <laughs> I wish I could sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. My productivity yeah. shoot through the roof. <laughs> how, how old are your children? Um, I have three, actually. I've got uh, one that's six, uh, one that is three, and another one that's uh, almost a year. So I've got, I've got quite wow. the, uh, quite the, uh, the, the, the basketball team going. Yeah, I was going to say, almost there. That's awesome. Yeah, Very cool. Yeah, I yeah, know, but it's great. Um, yeah, if you don't... It, what, I, what I tell everybody who's an entrepreneur, though, is like, wait until you're older. <laughs> Like do all your hardcore stuff now while you're young, um, right? Once you get older, then that's when it starts getting hard. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of guys about it, and uh, not that I'm in the market to have a child at this point, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah, a lot of them say that it makes you like a better entrepreneur in a lot of ways, or it makes you more efficient. Like, yeah, you can't just like exactly. Yeah, yeah you can't dilly dally. You can't sit around watching you know YouTube videos all day. That's you know, <laughs> you don't have time for that. So right, 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 right. Yeah, as fun as that would be. Yeah. Uh, is that? Uh, is that? Can you hear that? Okay. Um. Oh yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, don't um, don't 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 make us miss uh make us miss, uh <laughs> make you miss our flight because uh, <laughs> oh no no. no. <laughs> It's not supposed to leave for like an hour and twenty, I think. All right. It's assuming, uh, it, yeah, our, uh, what is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah hour twenty uh, from right. from two o'clock. So, all right, sweet. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I think this will be fun. Yeah, yeah. So last week we had like uh, like forty, fifty people. So it seems to be growing every week. So it's pretty fun. Um, nice. And it's a little, it's a little different than like, you know, everybody's doing like podcasts and stuff like that, um, which I tried and I just. I don't know. To me, it's like, you know, I, I, it's more fun to like interact with everyone rather than just like mm -hmm. talk at people. So what we try to do right. is do like some type of instruction. Um, and then, and then we also do some, um, you know, and then some like Q and A and like coaching and stuff like that. 
Um, but uh, we encourage people if they have like cameras and, and audio to like unmute and, and turn their cameras on because it's just kind of fun, you know. It's like actually yeah. cool to, like see people and, and uh, interact with them rather than just uh, like I said talking at them. So right, more interactive for sure. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's nice. a fun format. That's um, cool. Where are you, where are you based by the way? I'm in Northern California. So um, oh nice. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure you've probably been to like Napa. Um, yeah. So yeah, Napa, Sonoma County. So we're in Sonoma County, which is just west of of Napa County. Oh. So um, yeah, oh, nice. lots of lots of wineries. And I always joke, I'm like, yeah, I live in wine country, but I don't like wine. So <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really, you're not a you're not a wine. I'm person. not a huge. I mean, I'll drink wine, but it's just not my. You know, I'd much rather have like a, a nice beer or, or like a you know like a like a vodka <laughs> vodka or something. You know, like nice to me, wine's not uh, not my first choice, but I definitely enjoy wine the problem is is like the wine that i enjoy like i like uh you know like minimum like 30 40 dollar bottles yeah so i can get right right so um there's it's better at least you know what you like right yeah not a cheap date though (laughs) yeah right 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 but no it's it's cool though too just being like in this area because we went up to uh like francis for coppola as a coppola winery yeah 30 minutes from us so we just drove up there with my mom. She was visiting. We went and had uh, wine and lunch, and you know, got to see the Godfather table and all that fun stuff. So, the desk—that's awesome. The Godfather desk, yeah. So, um, Fernando, this this is Amy. Uh, this, is, this is my my co-host, Amy. Um, hey, Amy. Nice to yeah, meet you. Yeah, we met uh, early on when we when I was uh, developing uh, Seller SEO. She was like one of the first, if not like the first beta tester. So uh, it was it was fun. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. So we've. Uh, We've decided to to put this together, and uh, we seem like we we complement each other fairly well because she's like the organized, uh, you know, one who's who's very meticulous, and I'm like the shoot shoot from the hip kind of guy. So that's, that's right, right. That's important to have that balance, <laughs> right? I'm, like yeah. literally the most disorganized person ever. Yeah. But well, cool. I'll I'll, 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 I'll I'll have to ask you. We'll wait for, till till we get started, but yeah, I'll have to ask you about that so you can give some tips on. You know, because my big thing lately is like telling everybody like you shouldn't be concentrating on what you're good on. You should be, you know, good at. You should be concentrating on what you're bad at. <laughs> my thing lately is, you know, like trying to trying to work on everything that I suck at, and make make myself better in those weak points. So, yeah. I find myself a victim of squirrel syndrome. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. I get working on something and I'm like, oh, squirrel. Yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like so, that. I've never heard that before, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I try to, I try to focus. Like, okay, I have my to do list. I try to mark things off every day and focus on my top goals. But sometimes I, I let the squirrels get the best of me. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. All right, so That's we're awesome. gonna we're gonna do two more minutes, and then we'll we'll hop in. Um, where, okay. where's your where's your flight to, Fernando? Are you going back home or? Yeah, so I live in LA, but we're stopping through Salt Lake City. Uh, so basically, yeah, if we make it to Salt Lake, we're good because yeah, the the weather is not as bad there. Uh, okay, um, but yeah, actually, I'm originally from the Northern California, uh, Northern California, also. Oh, so, really? All right. Yeah, so I'm from Danville. Which oh, is, nice. Like, in the East Bay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I lived in I lived in Walnut Creek for. Well, I used to be a government employee, and I used to work at the okay. the Concord uh, Air Traffic Control Tower, actually. So. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah. my brother lives there right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I lived in Walnut Creek and then I would, I would, uh, commute the, 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 uh, you know, 10 minutes or five minutes or whatever, whatever it was to the tower there. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice area. Yeah, yeah it's, it is. It's a nice place. And yeah. Danville, yeah. Walnut Creek, all those areas now it's like the, the, the property values is just, you know, through the roof. Cause you know, everybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the golden state warriors and the giants, you know, by, by, <laughs> I think like Danville is probably one of the, 
one of the uh, most popular spots where they're living now. So, right, right, right. right. Yeah, I'm actually going up this uh, this Friday for my mom's birthday. Just to, oh, nice. Hang out and stuff. Yeah. Sweet. Well, if you if you if you're around, let me know. Yeah. 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 Um, I know you're probably yeah, busy. A short one, but yeah, I was gonna yeah, say you're probably busy. Yeah. But next time for sure. Yeah. When cool. I come up for like a longer, yeah, it'd be fun. So, uh, go have some beers or something. Yeah. Nice. Uh, do you know Derek, Derek struggle? I have not. He lives in the area too though, right? Yeah. He's in, um, where is he? He's in the East Bay too. I can't remember exactly where, um, San Leandro, I think. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, very yeah. cool. So, so I think he's pretty close there as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen his YouTube. He's crushing it. He's doing really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. He just opened like this huge, like uh, sports complex type thing uh, somewhere in the East Bay too. So that's uh, oh, interesting. like a sports. Cool. Yeah. He like merged like entrepreneurship with uh, like working out. Like, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Um, I, haven't, huh. I haven't looked too much into it since, but uh, yeah, he, he kind of, uh, you know, kind of let people know what he was doing. It sounded pretty interesting. So. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, I think it was that's like cool. it was like a gym with like co working or something, which actually is really smart when you think about yeah. it. It's, yeah, I love that. It's pretty unique, you know. It's like uh, you know, you can kill two birds with one stone. Which is totally. Cool. Yeah, and it's like and the co working I mean, spaces are really popular. We had um, we have this thing in San Antonio called One Million Cups. And all these business, uh, these entrepreneurs will come and pitch their ideas and try to get investors. And, um, and a bunch of them have been like co-working spaces because they're just really, they, they do really well, you know, and it, nowadays with all the increase in, uh, in entrepreneurs and small businesses, those kind of spaces are in high demand. Yeah. Okay. yeah having yeah. a gym would be awesome. Right. <laughs> right. I thought that was yeah. Cool. I would, I would use that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're traveling. I feel like that's like the perfect cause totally. uh, yeah. So the hotel like, gyms always suck too, right? Like the hotel right. gyms are awful and you're just like, how am I going to even get a work? My husband and I are CrossFitters and we always go to the, uh, like we'll try to travel and go visit a CrossFit gym wherever we are, but that's not always yeah. possible either. You know, when you're right. out and about. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's get it on. Um, let me <clears throat> record a nice intro. So I, you know, so it, so the, ed- the edit's easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, here we go. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy and Amy, and this is Seller Roundtable number five. And we are extremely excited and grateful to have Fernando Cruz with us. Fernando is an eight-figure seller, and uh, we're going to learn more about him and uh, what he does to uh, dominate on Amazon. So um, pretty excited about that. Welcome, Fernando. Thanks, Andy. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So, um, Generally, we do like a training and then we do like a QA. and um, You know, that's generally what we do. But today, um, we're going we're gonna to spend most of our time on you because I, I wrote up quite a few questions. So it's probably going to yeah. take the whole time and uh, you might have to jet at some point to get to your jet. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, so we'll, uh, we'll, tr- we'll, we'll uh, concentrate on that. And, uh, you know, as everybody knows, we're going to repost this. So uh, if you're posting something about your business that you don't want shared with the world, uh, like we always say, contact Amy or I after the fact uh, via messenger or something, um, and uh, and we'll answer it there. Uh, but otherwise, this gets reshared. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. First of all, let's uh, let's dive right in. If anybody has any questions, feel free to drop them as we go in the in the uh, comments, or um, you know, use the little like raise your hand feature, and then uh, we can unmute you and get your camera going um, if you want to. Uh, to be involved in that sense. I know some of you guys are shy in the beginning, but uh, we usually get you guys at the end. So <laughs> we'll see what happens this time. 
Cool. All right. Um, uh, Fernando, uh, tell us, uh, like, well, I just, we kind of talked about that, but <laughs> now that we're uh, actually into it, uh, uh, where are you born, where you live now, uh, kind of like your past, like where you, uh, you know, past jobs, did you go to college? Uh, you know, just kind of like what, what got you to this point? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. So I grew up in the Bay area and Danville, uh, you know, and then ended up living there most of my life. Uh, and then I moved down to LA for college. I've kind of hopped around a bit like uh, since. So I've kind of gone between San Francisco, New York, and LA. Uh, but yeah, most recently I've been in LA for the last few years. Uh, yeah, I love it there. Like a lot of my closest friends are there. And um, yeah, I mean, I did go to college. I went to USC. And then, uh, yeah, kind of uh, hopped around jobs as well. I started my career in finance, uh, kind of in the corporate world. I hated it. It really was not for me. I made it like a little bit over a year. And uh, realized that I really wanted to work in startups. And so um, one of my best friends actually from college, who's actually now my business partner today, which is really cool, is um, we're like really good friends from college. Uh, we're actually big bro, little bro in a business fraternity. And we we're both in those corporate jobs, decided, you know what, we're going to like really go for startups. Uh, we ended up getting hired at this like really like hot tech startup in LA at the time. Uh, which was really lucky in, in the grand scheme of things because they basically brought in like 20 people to like the final round interview. And then they're like, okay, only three of you guys are going to get jobs. And then, so we actually had to like compete for like four days. Um, and then basically we got the offers. We like kind of learned uh, tech stars, but that company ended up failing, which was like kind of like, devastating because we were like pretty young. Uh, but we both went off to, uh, to help run other startups uh, for about two years, uh, which was a really cool experience. I was like the head of sales at a, at a company in SF. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, after like, you know, that kind of like three plus years in tech startups, uh, a lot of our closest friends were doing really well in e-commerce. And so we started uh, like kind of making that pivot. We, like, we quit our jobs, like cold turkey, just turned in our notice. We had like saved some money, which was really helpful. And then, uh, yeah, we started trying to build our own like e-commerce site for about five months. We realized it was a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. And, um, yeah, I mean, like that was kind of like, it was like, we didn't even know that you could actually sell on Amazon at the time, but we, we kind of set on the idea of, okay, we tried to create a marketplace before it was too hard, um, or like our own site. But, and then we decided like, okay, well, if we create products, you know, we can kind of control where that product gets placed. And then we started looking into like, you know, the ability to sell on Amazon and we weren't even sure that was like, yeah, truthfully like an option. And we, uh, we did a lot of research, figured out that we could, and then kind of jumped into to selling on Amazon. Cool. So, <clears throat> so, so you would say like, probably like the main reason that you guys kind of made that pivot initially was just, uh, <laughs> fed up with your job, which seems like I would say probably like 90%, if not more of like people who get, get into Amazon sellers, not very many people are like, you know, go to college and do like marketing or, or something that's like super related and then like get out of college and like, yeah, you know, I knew I was going to be this e-commerce person. You know, it's like usually a pivot from, from something. And I definitely feel like, um, you know, one of the biggest uh, pivots is, uh, or one of the biggest reasons is, you know, people are mostly just like fed up with their job or not happy with their job. Um, totally. Yeah, what what drew you to Amazon? Was it like, uh, you know, yeah, you said that like your friends were telling you about it. Was it like the money, the freedom? Like, what what were kind of the the things that like drew drew you into that? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was 
it was like a total desperation play. Like, I mean, I wish we had it like super like well thought out or anything else. <laughs> but like, you know, what really happened was we tried to build our own like kind of men's lifestyle website. Uh, that kind of similar to like Huckberry, if you're familiar with them, but it's kind of a content commerce play. And we we realized, man, like we're growing pretty fast, but we were making like so little money. And it was like if we if we continue down this path, it's gonna take us like 18 to 24 months until we're making the same type of like income that we were making before, which is just too long. And then when we started like doing more research, um, well, actually, when we first thought, okay, what do we start selling on eBay? And then we were kind of like, well, that doesn't really make sense if if we're buying everything on Amazon, why would we like sell on eBay? And then so as we started looking more into the Amazon business model, like we realized that if you look at all the different um, aspects of an e-commerce business that you need to to like master, like Amazon ends up removing so many of those. And so it makes it a lot easier to focus on like very specific areas of the business. And like, you know, the fulfillment side, a lot of the customer support, the user acquisition, that's handled a lot, you know, by, by Amazon. And then, you know, like actually, like, so like that, like as a, as a business model is a lot simpler, which is great. And then on top of that, like, you know, like a lot of other entrepreneurs, we'd read the four hour work week. And so when we thought about like, you know, what type of lifestyle we wanted, it also was really well aligned in that respect. And that was huge in terms of like, for me, like I love traveling, like I'm stuck at this airport right now because <laughs> I love traveling. Um, and yeah, so I think, yeah, overall, it just really was better in alignment with like our, what we envisioned our life looking like. Cool. Um, <clears throat> when you were first starting out, like how did you learn the ropes? Like, did you just throw yourself to the fire? Like <laughs> I started in 2013, so there were no like courses or, you know, anything like that. I just had to right. like trial and error it. Um, w- did you like take any courses or like, did you watch YouTube? Like, did and you- can we ask what year you got started too? Yeah. 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 So we started in February of 2015. So like, yeah, so we're just hitting like, I guess our fifth year, like they're about to start. Uh, and we did not do any courses. Uh, we did hire a coach for the first few months, which was, I think, honestly, probably the best thing that we could have done. Cause I mean, so we, we had quit our jobs, which I do not necessarily recommend for everybody. Uh, so we were already like bleeding money at the time. And so we went like really aggressive right out the gate. We went with like four products and we probably, I don't know, invested maybe like 10, 15 grand, like right out the gate. And um, yeah, I mean, I would say all of those products pretty much failed, like, but it was enough to basically show us, like we got enough sales to be like, okay, if we were choosing the better products, um, this business model will for sure work. And like one like did okay for a little bit and then like died out maybe a few months later. But overall, um, yeah, I think hiring that like coach in the beginning was like pivotal because like one, we were testing with like 200 units of everything. And he's like, you guys need to like step it up. We need to like order more inventory. And like, yeah, in, in terms of like launches, he was like, yeah, okay. Like here's like, you know, A, B, and C. Like you need to do these things. And it was a lot simpler back then. Um, but yeah, I think just in terms of like making mistakes or like making less mistakes and getting us to where we are in like a short period of time, it was like a game changer. Like I wouldn't change anything about it. Yeah. That's, and that's a good point too. in the fact, or, or something that people need to realize is, um, and I've noticed this with my own business and stuff like, you know, when I quit my job, um, 
it was like all of a sudden now it's like if you have pressure on you um, to provide for your family, like you're going to get it done with a lot less. If you're somebody who's starting out with like a bunch of money, like that's why it's like when people are like, oh, I need like a ton of money to start an Amazon. I'm like, yeah, that's a good way to go. But don't be discouraged if you don't, because if you're kind of putting putting all your your eggs in that basket, you're, you have a lot more riding on making it work and you're going to figure out ways to make it work. Totally. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really true. Like that, um, what is that? Damon John says, like, you know, the power of broke. And I think that's like a really, <laughs> yeah. r- really real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you you perform. I mean, that's why like, um, you know, a lot of times like bootstrap businesses will will end up like growing and doing really well really quickly because the skills that those businesses have to teach themselves um, to grow, um, you know, are invaluable. And, and further on down the road when they're growing, they already have these skills now that these larger companies don't have or have to go through a ton of red tape or hire extra people or do all this extra stuff in order to get there because they didn't have to, you know, they got, they could just throw money at the problem. And when you throw money at the problem, sometimes that's not the right thing to do. And I think it's really encouraging because, you know, so many of us got started with, I did the same thing. I launched like three or four products at once. And like two of them were total flops, right? And the rest of them, I got a coach and got help in the beginning to get them going and understand what I was supposed to be doing. And it's not about how good you are at business, right? It's about how how good of a product you pick, right? And and I think it's really encouraging for people to that are getting started and maybe their first product flopped to realize, look, you can do well if you hang in there and just you know try again. And uh, you, you can eventually, it's okay. Most of us, I think, have that story of the first flop. And I think it's a really yeah. awesome learning story, right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, like business is like anything else, you know, you have to like work at it. And I think, you know, there's so many stories that like people, you know, post their like revenue screenshots and they think that like everything's going to be like, you know, you're, everything's going to be a home run or like even like, you know, a double like right out of the gate. And that's just not true. Like if you're like learning anything, like you're learning, you know, snowboarding, for instance, you're going to fall a lot like the first few times it's like it's just so like unrealistic to think that you know you're gonna like, put on your snowboard and you're just gonna be like cruising down on like black diamonds like you know your <laughs> you're gonna be the next sean white <laughs> yeah exactly and so i think if you go at it with that mentality of like look like it's okay that i'm gonna fail like i'm gonna take calculated risk and ideally mitigate a lot of those by you know by hiring like you know some mentor or like you know asking a friend or whatever uh i think i, I think you're, you're just gonna you're going to set yourself up for a lot less disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something to think about too, guys, is uh, what Amy and I covered. Um, what was it? The last one or the one before Amy about the, the uh, Alibaba or the AliExpress sourcing technique. That's a really cool way to, to, to test products out. So check yeah, it out. Yeah, that was session two, like two, two sessions ago. But yeah, <laughs> yeah that wow, was a really quick. good one. Yeah, that's a good one. So nice. check that out if you want to you know, see how to do like trial and error products. Um, like I, I wish I would have had that technique when I started. Um, luckily, I fell into it by uh, by necessity. <laughs> so, um, on that same note, um, Fernando, what do you do for like product development or like any tips on how you select a product? Um, like, I know, like when you when you like you're saying on the groups and stuff, you see everybody who's like using like Jungle Scout and all these or or um, Viral Launch or like you know all the all the tools out there to 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 get these sourcing ideas. And people, I always see this, and people are always asking that question. I always tell them, don't use those tools, and then people are like, what? Like I'm like, don't use those tools, caveat, <laughs> until you've got the product idea. Use it for verification, not for the idea. Because if you use it for the idea, there's like 20 other people looking at that same data and that same product. You have to, you have to flip that. 
Um, mm-hmm. What I always tell people is like, go with your passion, go with something you're knowledgeable, knowledgeable about. Um, do you do it that way or do you do it? I mean, I, I'm not, you know, <laughs> that's just the way I do it. But like, um, you know, a lot of people, some people like um, use a lot of different data. Um, some people look at trends. Some people, um, you know, there's a million different ways to do it. Kind of what, what's your theory on that? Like, how do you guys do that? Yeah, great question. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to give context, yes, we've launched uh, like, I don't know, probably like 300 something products now. We have like about 200 selling at any point in time. Um, so uh, one, I totally agree with you. Like I personally do, like our, like our team manages a lot now, but uh, we do not use like the, the web apps. And yeah, exactly the same reason. Like, you know, I have had like, you know, people reach out to me or students reach out to me. And literally there was one like week where like three or four people sent me the same product to like <laughs> review. And I was like, guys, like I, there's just no way that you guys are all stumbling on this like product, like, you know, by chance, you're definitely using it now. And, um, and yeah, so I do think like everyone's gonna use the same kind of criteria and filters and that's going to end up like just being a race to the bottom. Uh, so I agree on that. You know, honestly, like I, I do, um, when I'm looking at something, it's like I'm looking for something kind of like unique, like sometimes I'm looking at Instagram, kind of like like coming up with ideas from there, uh, but also just like kind of going into like like a, like a black hole of like Amazon. If I'm like, okay, I want to like, you know, find a new cool product, just like looking at categories and then um, going into the subcategories often or also looking at, um, you know, the frequently purchased together kind of areas. Um, I personally don't do anything that I'm necessarily like passionate about because uh, most of the stuff I truly that I'm passionate about are probably like a lot like are really saturated like you know generally like fitness and travel. Uh, but I you know we'll go after you know sometimes like uh, industrial and scientific or office products or things that are just like kind of off the beaten path because I think you know a lot of people are like oh you should just walk around your home and look at what items you have and then kind of think about it that way. And I think that's, you know, maybe fine. But I think like the things that are generally around the home are they going to be the things that are really saturated, like, you know, plates and frying pans, things like that. So, uh, so I typically kind of go at, a, like, at an approach like that. It's a little bit uh, more obscure. And I don't know, do you, do you want me to kind of cover like kind of some of the criteria that we look at or yeah, just more yeah, like sure. how if we you want to quickly? Yeah, my, my whole thing too is yeah, I, that's kind of exactly how we do it um, is... I always tell people you want to sell stuff that nobody else is going to think about or, and, and especially stuff that's not sexy. Like you talked about like office yeah. products or like I, totally. I always use the, the example of like a toilet seat cover or like a plunger, you know, cause you don't want to be the dude at the party when somebody's like, Hey, what do you guys do? And you're like, yeah, I'm an e-commerce seller. I sell on Amazon. You go, oh, what do you sell? You don't want to be the guy being like, yeah, it's uh, plungers, you know, like yeah, the, the stuff that's not sexy or not uh, that everybody else is thinking about are actually some of the best products. But yeah, go ahead. Totally. We'd, I'd love to kind of hear what your criteria, like, you know, what, what your process is there. That'd be awesome. Yeah, of course. So, um, so we use our, like a criteria called like contribution margin. So, um, so if you think about like, you know, you have your like sale price at, at the very top. And then if you're looking at like an income statement, you kind of subtract out all the, the variable fees. So, you know, your FBA fees, your referral fees, obviously your product costs, uh, your PPC, all that kind of stuff, anything that's variable to like, you know, selling per unit. And then after that is your contribution margin. So we like, that's a, a really, really big metric for our business. So like another simpler way is like looking at your gross margin, you subtract out your ad spend and then that's your contribution margin. And so we will budget, you know, eight to 10% for ad spend of revenue. And then we're like, so if you include that, uh, then we're looking for a 28% uh, 
contribution margin. So if we're selling an item for $100, for instance, just for simple numbers, and after all the Amazon fees, including like storage and PPC and all that kind of stuff, we're expecting to make $28 uh, per unit. Yeah, that's, then, that's, so that's, that's about mm-hmm. exactly what we go. We go for like 30, but yes, yeah, pretty much the same thing. Nice. Yeah. So I think that's like a super, super important one. Um, you know, very like, closely related to that one is like uh, our ROI. So we're, we use like about 150% uh, for like for an ROI. So that taking that contribution margin again, dividing it by your cost of landed. Uh, so that's another criteria for us. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, we, we try to stay away from like products that have like a lot of um, like complications, like, you know, batteries, moving parts, um, electronics, things like that, especially for the newer sellers. I think that it's just going to be um, a little bit more complicated and yeah, is in similar in that same vein, like kind of like the really competitive categories. So yeah, like stuff with, high, stuff with high return rates, you mean, right? Like that's, that's, you know, yeah. a lot of people never think about that. They're like, yeah, I'm going to sell, um, you know, like an alarm clock or, you know, like something with electronic right. moving parts. And especially, like you said, if you're not experienced and you get something from uh, the factory and you're, you, you don't know how to get, you know, fine quality products, you're going to end up just blowing so much money and, and you're going to get terrible seller reviews, especially starting out, which will kill you uh, early on and then terrible product reviews as well. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. the product you never want to have is something that allows people to leave an opinion on, right? Like a diet mm. product or you know, you don't you don't you just want like it works. <laughs> yeah, it works like it's exactly. about, this toilet seat is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm hundred percent on the same page. Yeah. So yeah, I would say those are a lot of the big ones. Yeah, we look at the, like the, um, the like average amount of reviews on the first page, like the main keyword. Uh, so I think that's like a big one. Yeah, ideally, we're looking at like probably like less than like 120 on average on the first page because we're going after the more uh, like kind of more niche items. And I think that uh, overall like, is like been a good strategy for us because we try not to spend a ton of money on on launches. Like, you know, a lot of our products are like are so niche uh, that we can just launch using like um, PPC, not always, but like that is, um, it's kind of what we shoot for. Yeah, that's a good point too. And, and a lot of people, um, you know, they, there's two, there's a, a bunch of different ways you can approach Amazon. Like Fernando, you were saying you guys had what, 300 SKUs, something like that. Uh, we probably yeah. like about like a little over 200. Okay. Right yeah. So, so see, like I started in 2013, so I've got a, you know, many years, but you know, we're, we're upwards of probably hitting about 700 SKUs. Now yeah. our, our products are lower priced, but I'm just saying like so many people are like, you know, because it's taught that you need a price point of like $30. And, you know, like if everybody's chasing that same criteria and those same kind of trending products, um, <laughs> skate where the puck's going to be, you know, like that, 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 right. that one of my favorite analogies. Um, you know, don't, don't do, don't be a me too person. When you start selling on Amazon, be creative, think outside the box, because if you go to, to fringe stuff that you might not think is popular, um, or, or for example, like the other day, I can't remember what it was, but I was searching Amazon and I couldn't find one product that matched that criteria. So what I started doing is starting to look around and I found that nobody sells this yet. And it's, it's like my, it would be my own personal invention, you know, it's, uh, which is also a great product. Like Amy, I know you have that, uh, which is, uh, you know, like the Holy grail of products. If you can get a product, that's your own product that you patent that you control, um, that you can sell to real t- uh, um, you know, retail later on. Like that's, that's like what you really want to strive for. Now, if you're doing like me or you're doing, you know, 
or Fernando, where you're doing like two to 600 products, it's very rare that you're going to be able to come up with all that, you know, unless you're a massive corporation. Um, but right. all I'm saying is, is my point here is I'm kind of going long winded is, is to just be really creative when it comes to your, your, uh, sourcing and, and kind of what you, you know, what you think is going to be successful. And I think totally. people have to remember to, to reach that seven figure and eight figure, um, seller mark, you really do, this is a scale game, right? <laughs> you, you probably weren't at seven figures yet when you just had 10 SKUs, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's pretty, the, unless you have an invention or something like that, that has really good margins and you got no competition and it's just flying off the shelf. Like you, it's a scale game. And so I always tell people yeah. that are like launching one product and they're like, well, you know, I'm not making enough money. Well, you're selling three units a day and that's not too bad. But imagine if you had uh, 700 SKUs selling three units a day, you know, you, that's, yeah. that's, that's a pretty good payout there. Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So on that point, uh, Fernando, how did you guys scale? Like, uh, you know, once you really, once you knew this business was going to be successful, um, kind of once you guys started growing, um, like, did you take on VAs? Do you have in-house people? Do you have your own warehouse? Kind of like what, the, what, uh, what did it look like when you guys started to scale? Yeah. So, um, what happened was, so we launched those first products. <laughs> Most of them failed uh, within... Actually, all of them failed within probably like four or five months. But we knew that there was a lot of problems. So we kept launching. We were trying to launch about one new product per month. Um, I think the fifth one like uh, did like pretty well. Uh, like sixth one was like maybe okay. Uh, but then like, somewhere like about like five months in, we hit like our first like home run. And it was like crazy so i mean i think the first day i sold like 20 units the next day was like 70 units the next day was like 100 units and so and that was like a really high roi product so again like that's why we're really focused on that metric uh but it sold a ton and that kind of helped us like grow the company a ton because it's just like for every dollar that we put in we were making about like five dollars back which is i mean again like you know that's like a really like ideal and it was a long time ago so i, I wouldn't necessarily use that as like your benchmark uh but um so we ended up having to borrow money because we couldn't keep like the inventory inside even though we were making so much money we were also like expanding like really quick we were going really aggressive so we um, we like expanded that product line. We went to UK, Canada, or all the EU, including the UK um, and Canada. Like, I mean, I would say like month seven or eight. So we like went really, I guess, like balls to the wall. Um, and then we hired our first like virtual assistant um, like around that same time. So maybe about like six months in to kind of handle a lot of like the support and administrative stuff. And then, um, and then, yeah, I mean, like fast forward, like we've been hiring like pretty aggressively, I would say. So I think, um, well, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah. So we realized that like for us, the, the biggest growth driver was new products. And so we ended up, um, kind of hiring two people, I would say about a year in, and then one was in charge of like all of our like kind of a supply chain. So like sourcing inventory, planning and logistics. And then another person was in charge of hiring or fi of finding new products. And so we kind of, um, we kind of split those two roles, which I was kind of, uh, overseeing. And then, so they reported directly to me and then, uh, Nick, my business partner focused on a lot of like the launches, like the management, like support of like, of our products. And then, um, 
And then, yeah, so we like really scaled from there. So like today we have about 75 employees. I would say like 90% are like overseas. So it keeps our operating expenses pretty low. And, um, and then, yeah, we have like an amazing, amazing team now that let's kind of set up with the infrastructure to basically help us scale to about a hundred million a year. Cool. Um, what um, do you have somebody, uh, like you said, you know, most of your people are overseas. Do you have somebody locally that you kind of put in charge of all those people, like a project manager or, you know, do you have, or are you managing all those people? Uh, great question. So, so one of the things, so we have a business coach as well. So uh, one of the things that our business coach uh, recommends is uh, uh, each one of us does not have more than five direct reports. So we're kind of focusing around that. So originally how we had it structured was that our people in our LA, in LA were basically the managers. And then we basically augmented all of their abilities uh, by hiring a lot overseas. Um, but, you know, as we've gotten better at recruiting and building teams and scaling, now we actually have like managers and VPs that are actually based overseas as well. And they build and recruit their own teams wow. just like they were if they were here. Yeah, um, and then so we have like maybe a management team of like nine or 10. And then uh, they've like, you know, recruited and brought in their own teams a lot of the time. Fantastic. Where are you finding, um, like, what do, do you use, like Upwork? Like, where are you finding the, these people? Yeah. So we typically don't do Upwork. And I think, you know, in the beginning, I think it's a great place uh, because you're, you're not committed to hiring them full time. It's, it's a more of a freelancer market. Uh, but it, it is hard, I think, to get people from the freelance mentality I've realized to becoming full-time employees. Yeah. So um, I would say, you know, in the beginning, I, I would really recommend onlinejobs.ph. I think it's got like an amazing amount of candidates. Yeah. And that's where we did a lot of our initial hiring. Uh, I think, like, and I think it's good for like kind of, uh, yeah, that administrative work. Um, and you just get a ton of candidates. Yep. Now we hire more specialized work, I would say. So we hire like, you know, specific people towards inventory planning or specific people towards like managing our Amazon listings. And like, we need like people that hit the ground running. So they already have experience. So a lot of time we'll look at like LinkedIn or, um, or get referrals from like our existing employees. Okay. So like, I think that's probably where we get the most. Are you, are you uh, doing like LinkedIn job postings or just posting like on your feed? Uh, everything like, so, yeah. uh, like job postings, like ads, uh, we do like outreach. So for like, you know, we're looking at inventory planners, like, you know, we will reach out to people that do like inventory planning at another company. Right. Um, and then okay. that, cause, cause I think like the, the biggest thing is, you know, like when you're hiring somebody, you want someone that's going to be better than you. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know, it's, it's easy for us to say, cause you know, we're like a larger company. But like, if you're hiring someone, let's say for inventory planner, like I can give them my Excel and I'm okay at Excel, but I'm not like necessarily the best, but like the guy that we brought in to lead inventory planning, like he makes spreadsheets look like beautiful. Like they're like, you know, like literally like my eyes tear up a little bit because they're so <laughs> nice. And I just like, I know how good he's at it. And like, so I don't feel like any pressure in terms of like overseeing inventory planning because I know he's so good at it. And like that gives me like the the freedom to focus on other like, more important things. And I think that's what you should be really focused on when you're hiring somebody is like, these guys are way better than me at it. And so I don't like need to like micromanage. I don't need to like worry because I know they're going to do, they're going to do such a good job. Yeah. Awesome. That, the, there's a lot of great tips there. Cause um, <laughs> for me, not only am I, <clears throat> am I trying to scale my Amazon business, but I'm trying to scale my software business and things, things like that. Online jobs, PH is a great suggestion. That's where we get a lot of our staff from. Um, 
and then LinkedIn is also kind of where we've we've actually just kind of started uh, dipping our toes in. So that's uh, it's good to get some verification that that works. So that's cool. Um, totally. What's uh, what's your goal for like for your Q1 for your business? I know you guys, um, you know, you said you're 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 going to hit the the hundred million mark in sales. Um, anything else? Um, like personally, like uh, any kind of side projects you like to do, like uh, you know, like kind of what's your what's your vision for the for the year? I shouldn't say Q one. I like the year better. Like what what kind of what do you see yourself doing this year? Yeah. Um, yeah so yeah, a lot of stuff. Um, so yeah, we're shooting for forty million in revenue this year uh, for twenty nineteen. Uh, personally, yeah. I mean, um, so one thing that we started doing last year, which was really fun, is that we uh, picked up and moved to Mexico City for a month. Uh, and that was just like a fun way. We like offered to buy like flights for RL employees that they wanted to come hang out with us. We got like a really sweet, like four bedroom penthouse. And then we all just kind of lived there. Um, I, you know, we want to do that again this year. Um, we're thinking Tokyo, maybe just something a little bit different. Interesting. Um, and I just signed up, uh, like, you know, uh, to do my first Ironman. So we'll see how that goes. That's another, like, I guess like big goal for the year. So I have like cool. my first half in June just kind of scary. So I have to like kind of start really training and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, I think like the, the, the exciting thing about having a big team is not having to be as involved in the day to day. So, you know, we're, like we're doing a lot more, uh, like speaking events and like just kind of working on like personal growth, like really trying to like nail down my meditation and like morning routine and just like other things, um, outside of work, uh, because we don't have to work like, the you know, even like the nine to five as much anymore, just because, uh, we've got like a really amazing team. Yeah. So you, you must have, uh, you guys probably have a lot of good processes in place, I assume. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like really what we focus on probably for like the last year and a half is like, yeah, management team, like processes, SOPs. Like we have like, um, a lot of that stuff nailed down. I mean, it's still not per It's always going to be improved, but yeah, we've definitely really made that a priority. I would say. Did you did you guys hire somebody to to like a, you know somebody who specializes in building processes or did you guys do it a lot yourself? Yeah, so uh, awesome question. So uh, one thing that we do is like yeah, using Zoom or like anything else, you can like record a call. So a lot of the time, like if we're showing somebody something, we'll record the call on Zoom, and then like so we save that in like an internal wiki. So that and we just have like someone on the team like document it and kind of. Um, just like categorize it and then they also make an SOP from it. So they like just rewatch the video, make the SOP so that like, if it's like, let's say inventory planning, because we have like three people. So now that manager can train them. They've also got the video recording and they've also got like the SOP. So it's just like, we're just like killing people with information. Uh, but it's all documented, which is really nice. Uh, we've also hired like a training and development person, which is like really focused on like, making sure that all the, like, the teams like have like a similar structure and like a good process for their SOPs. Uh, and they also focus on like employee onboarding. So they look at like, you know, since we've scaled to so many people, they look at like, okay, can we make this process like a little bit more consistent, make sure that like employees like get up to speed a lot faster and that they enjoy the experience so that we can like reduce turnover and all that kind of stuff as well. So trying to like standardize that kind of stuff as we continue to grow. Nice. Okay, cool. A lot of a lot of good tidbits in there. Um, that's that's great. Um, what uh, on on a lighter note, we're gonna switch here real quick. Um, what are kind of like your uh, favorite books, podcasts, like motivational things? Uh, I, I heard you say you, you do you do meditation. Like, kind of what uh, what do you do uh, for like self growth? I know that like for me, the last couple of years, I've really 
um, kind of uh, figured out that like, you know, I mean, I've always been, you know, when you're doing an Amazon business and things like that, you, you're always learning. But I've realized that like, that's probably one of the most important things that I can do every day is try to learn something new. Um, and every time I learn something new, it like helps me in some way with my business and my personal life, things like that. Kind of what, what are you doing um, in that sense? Totally. Yeah. Awesome question. Uh, okay. So let's, let's start with books. So books, I think if you're in the, like early stages, I think four hour work week is the best. I will give you like a warning that if you're employed, it will mentally check you out a lot of the time. So <laughs> like, I would be like, you know, really committed to quitting in the, in the you know, short to medium term. Uh, but yeah, I think it's one of my favorite books in terms of just productivity and like how and just like kind of giving you that, um, that like, honestly, that, that, um, that vision that you can change your life and you know work from anywhere and do that kind of stuff. Uh, I think if you're in the kind of you got like maybe like five six employees stage, I really recommend scaling up. I think that's been one of my favorite books in terms of like how do you start thinking like a mid market company, which is kind of you know what we're approaching. And so putting in like a lot of that structure, it's a lot more boring, uh, truthfully. But it's like it's kind of the stuff that you need to do if you really want to get to that. I think like hundred million. Mark. Um, and then I think for recruiting, some of my favorite books are like Who uh, and Top Grading are both really good books if you're, if you're kind of thinking about that kind of stuff. Uh, for podcasts, um, I love podcasts. Like, I think I learn a ton from there. I'm like, you know, kind of ridiculous. I like to listen at like 1.5 or 2x speed just to be more efficient. But I think um, Marketing School by like Neil Patel and Eric yeah. Sue is really, really good. Oh, that's one um, of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are super smart. Yeah, I'm friends with Eric. Like, uh, yeah, they, they do like, you know, bite size, like seven minute videos, which is really cool. Or like, uh, I guess podcasts. Um, uh, and I would say, I really like, like Ryan Moran's. I think, uh, he like rebranded as a 1% recently. I, I love that he covers a lot of different topics, not like just Amazon, but you know, like a lot of like a wealth management and like scaling stuff. He brings on a lot of really cool, um, one. And then the last uh, one that I really got, got into recently is, uh, Recode Decode, and so that one's like Kara Swisher, yeah, yeah and uh, do you listen? Yeah, that one's like amazing. But yeah, she brings in like a lot of cool, like amazing, like Elon Musk and like you know, uh, you know, Sheryl Sandberg kind of people, mm -hmm. and then also like politicians and other stuff too, which I think is great, really high profile. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, I listen to that one too. But like you said, there like there's so many ones that uh, that I want to listen to. It's hard to listen to them all. I actually just uh, found a new one. Um, I can't remember the name. I'd have to look at my phone. It's it's like uh, inbound marketing, I think it's called, or something like that. But it's all like uh, like Facebook ad stuff. Um, uh, by Ezra. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think is that. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, I just shared <laughs> shared a uh, Facebook live that they just did with Amy, and uh, they got some really cool. Um, you know, um, they're really talking about how like Facebook ad, ads are 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 uh, switching and and are kind of changing into like. You know, people aren't consuming traditional ads anymore. They want like a story-based ad and things like that. So there's there's some mm -hmm. pretty interesting stuff that that they're putting out. So um, that's one of my favorites, at least <laughs> one of my recent favorites. Um, yeah, cool. So um, what are like what are some of your you know? Because I was saying like I'm focusing a lot on my weaknesses these days because I know that like when I when I pull myself up from that weakness, I get more to the middle, <laughs> and it really helps. Yeah. Me. So like what, uh, what are like your strengths and what are your weaknesses and like, what are you doing to like overcome, you know, those weaknesses? Good question. So I think I have like a, a slightly different approach. Um, so I think 
it depends on what the weakness is. Like, you know, if the weakness is like leadership or like management, I think in the early beginning, yeah, you know, it's probably important to work on. Um, but if it's, let's say like attention, attention to detail or organization or, you know, PPC, like personally, I, I think if you're, you know, let's call yourself like, you know, you're like a, a D, like let's say I'm a D in PPC, like it's going to take a lot of energy and a lot of effort for me to get to like a B, right? And I don't think that's necessarily the best use of my time. And so I'd rather like outsource that, like find like an agency or like, you know, like maybe a part-time employee, whatever, and then focus on like one, like the biggest growth drivers for your business and like, you know, what you kind of like enjoy. Um, so like, I, so yeah, I, I personally wouldn't necessarily like, always work on those weaknesses. I would just think about like, are, is this like um, a weakness that's like really, really crucial to my business? And then if so, then yeah, like you know, figure out how to do it. But if not, then I would just like figure out a way to not be working on that. Right. Um, but yeah, some of my strengths, uh, I would say, I, I think I'm good at like the, like understanding like the big vision, uh, you know, and like understanding like where the, like you, I love the, the phrase that you, um, that you said, like where the puck is moving. And so I think I am good at that and like understanding like, okay, this is where like things on Amazon are moving and this is how we're going to like build the organization to um, I guess like, you know, to deal with those changes. And so I would say that we're, and we're really good at prioritizing where a lot of people are like kind of focusing on, you know, building up their own Shopify and like retail and like, you know, wholesale and PL and all that kind of stuff where like we're a hundred percent private label. We have done retail, but it, like, honestly it's been all kind of layups, like it's all been inbound. We don't do Shopify at all. Never, like, probably will not for the, any, like, foreseeable future. Um, but, yeah, we just, like, really focus on what we're good at. And that, like, I think allows us to just consistently get better and then um, and grow a lot faster. Yeah. Do you yeah, sell on any other channels besides Amazon? Do you sell to retailers uh, or anything like that? So we do do retailers. Um, and we honestly didn't start that until like last year. So I guess like, you know, our fourth year in, um, and we actually hired somebody specifically to oversee that. Like they brought in their own team. Like it was like, I am not involved like at all. And it was only because we were getting inbound interest and it was like, okay, well, like there's definitely an opportunity here, but like, we just don't want to divert focus. So we're going to just bring in a team to do it. Uh, but yeah, we do do retail. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's good, but it's still really small, I think in the grand scheme of things, but hopefully it'll be like that kind of hockey stick at some point. Uh, but yeah, we do do retail. Yeah. That's interesting because I think that, um, the, like the, 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 the cycle of, of majority of Amazon sellers, you know, it's like they start selling on Amazon they go, Oh, there's money to be made here. And then they go, I'm going to sell on eBay and I'm going to sell on it. And then what, what it comes back to is when you pull up your balance sheet, it's like, you know, in our case, it's probably 95% comes from Amazon. And that's probably right. true of, you know, most people. So I know that like the, the prevailing thing is like, oh, you should like diversify, you, should, you know, get in every market and stuff like that. But what you have to realize, especially if you're, if you're small, is if you take focus away from Amazon, which is your main source of income, you, it's actually going to be a detriment to you because now you're diverting your time and attention from your main source of income. So just really think about that. Like, I'm not saying never do that stuff. But like Fernando is saying, like the numbers don't lie. And if, if you're not getting a return on it, it's the whole 80-20, you know, it's like, why, why are you going to bother with that, 
with 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 the eighty uh, percent when twenty percent is where you're getting your. Well, all your- I- I think the other thing that Fernando brought up was as far as not necessarily selling to eBay or anything like that, but him selling to retailers was an opportunity because you can sell in bulk and those retailers pay for shipping and everything else. But then, like you said, Andy, he's not going to divert his attention from that. He brings in a team that specializes in that. And that way, all you're doing is moving more volume, right? right? You're not making... I mean, you're probably breaking... You're probably making the same amount... Uh, at the end, after Amazon fees and everything, selling to retail as you are um, selling to Amazon, right? Because you're you're selling to retail at a wholesale price, and they're paying for shipping and everything else, and you're just moving it from your manufacturer straight out to that retailer in pallets, you know, at a time. Where on Amazon you're selling one at a time, but they're taking care of the customer service, everything else, right? right. So it's like. Totally. The fees are higher, but you're probably like making the same amount. But obviously, your volume is probably huge on Amazon, maybe compared to, you know, a pallet or two going out to a retailer. Right, right, right. Yeah, it, it depends on the retailer for sure, like where your margins will lie. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people like really end up going to try to do retail too early. And I think yeah. it's really hard. You need a brand, you need like a compelling story, like, or like some like really like, you know, defendable, like IP, like a patent or something like that. And honestly, like, you know, Amazon companies aren't set up to handle retail. Like, so you know, true. It, like, you know, just like the, um, the, like the warehousing, like the EDI compliance a lot of the time. Like, I mean, like, I, I would not suggest that until you're probably doing like maybe a hundred grand a month. Um, you know, we, we do like, you know, Walmart, eBay, Jet, and like, um, and I, I would say combined all of those like off Amazon marketplaces are probably like maybe, maybe 10% on a good day. And so I think like, you know, as you know, the newer sellers are really thinking about like, Oh, you know, I want to go to Walmart and that sounds great, but you know, you, get, you need to get approved. You need to like figure out like the fulfillment. And yeah, at the end of the day, like, you know, even if you're doing a hundred K a month, like if you, let's say, let's call it 10%, that means you're going to, you're going to add in an extra 10 K like, you know, maybe let's say in an ideal world, the same margin, which is un- like unrealistic, but whatever. So like you make another 10K, but if you're already at 100K, it's probably a lot easier and a lot less work just to add one new product in and then get to that same level and then keep everything more streamlined. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, what, uh, like, what tools do you do um, day-to-day or do you use day-to-day, Fernando, to like stay organized? Or I know you, you mentioned Zoom, uh, you're using Zoom for like meetings and, and like training and stuff like that. Like, what do you consider like maybe just like the top three, like essential tools that you use to, to run your business? Okay. Um, let's do, let's do Amazon and non-Amazon. So, okay. So non-Amazon, like that, I think everybody should use Slack. I think Slack is amazing just, uh, for communication and keeping things organized. We have like all of our channels set up. Uh, it's free, I think, you know, um, up to like a, like, you know, a certain thing, which is great. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we have channels bro- broken out for like all of our different teams, like you know, the inventory planning team and the marketing team and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I really like Slack. Um, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, uh, task management solutions. Like uh, we use GetFlow personally, which I like. Um, but a lot of people use Asana or Trello or ClickUp. I think those are all great. Um, and then what else? Oh, yeah, I, I really like... Um, cloud app or loom and those are kind of like screen sharing uh like recording like snapshot um software so i would i would really like those for kind of the non-amazon stuff um and then amazon wise i really like seller legend 
Um, and uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like other cool like software. I don't know. Do, do you want me to go into like software uh, or is that like? Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah, sure. You can, you can, whatever, whatever, whatever you think is, is working for your business for sure. Uh, yeah. So what else do we use? I, uh, we use, uh, um, oh man, we use so much software. I'm trying to think like which ones I really want to like highlight. Um, I, I like, um, HubStaff a lot. I think that's really helpful for us, like managing our overseas team. I think, uh, for time, our time tracking and stuff like that. Um, we've been using, um, let's see, um, Zon pages is great for like, you know, follow up and stuff like that as well. I think those are like some of my favorites right now. Cool. Yeah. Hubstaff is like a godsend when I found that, you know, like you said, we were hiring a bunch of people on, on online jobs and, and, uh, and we, like, like you said, we start on, on Upwork and you can find some decent people on Upwork, but it's, it's really hard to sift through them um you know and what amy and i uh, were talking about this the other day is something that we figured out um you know a little later than we should have is that you should always have some kind of filter in place when you're hiring you know like a trial task or something that that makes that person like complete a, a smaller project before you hire them on um that's a really good way to kind of vet a um you know somebody who's going to work for you so for example you know fernando you're talking about ppc um I, you know, it's hard to find a good PPC person, especially, um, overseas, but you know, one way that you could easily do that is to, 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 um, you know, when you hire somebody as a trial, you just, you break them off to one campaign. You say you're in charge of this one campaign for a week and see what they do with it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and generally when you're hiring people, um, from online jobs, you know, you're in the sub $10 range almost always, um, per hour. So that's not going to cost you a lot of money. And by giving them this trial task to complete, that's going to vet so many people because if they, if after a week, they're not, they're, you know, they, they haven't performed, you boot them and you, and you already have a list of backup candidates that you go and you just keep doing that. You got to just rinse and repeat. I think I went through like 10 uh, people before I got to a, a, an executive assistant that was like, you know, worth the crap. So right, you, know, just, right, right, right. you really have to, 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 you know, come up with ways to, to get, to, to get to those good people. Yeah. Totally. So do you have any, like, uh, I mean, I mean, as a seller, I know that, you know, I've got a few like cards that I don't share in my back pocket, but like anything that you guys are, are using that you, that you think are, you know, working fairly well that are kind of already out in the wild that, you know, that you, you're, you're willing to share with all of us that, you know, that that's working on like getting your products like ranked or promotion or marketing, like anything that you're using that you maybe weren't using last year or something that's, you know, working really well for you right now. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. So one that we actually like introduced, which I really like is called Pixelify Me. Um, and so I think this might be for like for some of the more advanced uh, sellers, but basically it's kind of like link shortening and it basically allows you to add like uh, a pixel, your Facebook pixel into any link. And so we've been using that a lot uh, with like our Facebook ads um, and basically helping like rank our products. I think that's really big, especially as, you know, like we talked about, like Amazon is getting more and more competitive. And so like having an an advantage is getting harder and harder. So like having your own messenger list or um, your own like audience, whether it's a Facebook group or Facebook page, I think is increasingly more important. And so Pixelify Me is like a really good solution that we use to do that, to like to basically build up uh, our pixel, to like kind of retarget, get people um, 
like basically so we can, we can basically communicate them easier. I think many chat along the same vein, again, like more of an advanced um, a tool to use, but I think it's amazing in terms of communication. Um, I don't know if you guys use it, but like it's, yep. it's definitely one of my favorite tools for like launches um, as well. Yeah. And yeah. We, we use it a bunch for, you know, various for, for our Amazon business and for, um, you know, for our, uh, our uh, software business. So it's, it's cool. Like so do email marketing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Right. Even though, right. Yeah. yeah. And on that point too, um, Fernando, like you're saying, uh, what people don't realize is if you, you know, say your end goal is to build a big Amazon business and then sell it. Um, what a lot of people need to realize is your list is worth a ton of money. If you sell an Amazon business and you have like a, a list of like a hundred thousand email addresses, for example, that's going to, your, your sale price for that business is going to go up exponentially because people know who are going to buy that, that they have a, re, a recurring source of income because every time you launch a new product, you send an email out to those hundred thousand people. Guess what? That product's going to be successful. It's almost impossible, you know, unless it's a complete piece of crap for it not to be successful when you have that kind of volume behind it, especially at launch time. So, I mean, that's why, you know, you've probably heard people saying, you know, build list, build list, build list, but um, it's absolutely essential, especially like Fernando was saying in this market, as it's getting more and more competitive, definitely something that you really want to kind of double down on. And Andy, yeah. can I asked Fernando about his, you know, we already kind of talked about your struggles initially when you first started out, but if you had it to do over again, what would you change? Because we have a lot of new, a lot of newbies on the call, and so do you have any advice for the newbies? If you had it to do over again, what you would change? What I would change? Um, let's see. You know, okay, so I mentioned we had a mentor in the beginning. Uh, I think that was huge, and I would have continued to hire mentors throughout the process. I think you know, as you continue to grow, like. Uh, you know, we always talk about me and my business partners, like, you know, you don't, uh, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And I think that's like so huge. And so now it's funny, we had it in the beginning then there was like three years where we didn't have a coach. And then now we hired another like high level coach to help us get to that hundred million mark. And I think we would have probably got there a lot faster if we had just kept hiring uh, coaches throughout the, um, throughout the process to help us get to that next stage. Um, I think that's a big thing. Uh, I mean, I think if, if you're really focused on Amazon, like focus on Amazon and like, don't get distracted. It's so easy. There's so many shiny objects or, you know, squirrel syndrome you were saying. And I think like, that's like the biggest thing is that like the fastest way to grow is to launch mobile. And like, uh, in my opinion. And do you have, that's a really great answer. Do you have any advice for vetting coaches? Because <laughs> a lot of people have been scammed. By coaches, you know. So obviously, me and Andy both offer coaching. You services. read, you read my mind on that, Amy. I was literally going to ask that same exact question. Like, how are you vetting? How are you finding your coaches? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, that's that's really tough. I I think, you know. So I guess uh, you know, coaching is probably something where you you meet them like you know more one on one. I think a lot of the time. And so either asking the smartest questions you can or uh, yeah, finding somebody that's a little like, you know, a little bit ahead of you and maybe having them interview them and like really trying to make sure like, okay, if you're trying to find a, you know, PBC coach, then like find whoever is your best friend that like knows PBC really well and maybe have them hop on the call with you and make sure that they ask like, you know, smarter questions too. You know, one, you're going to learn in the process. And then two, um, you know, we get that like verification. Like, so like, you know, truthfully, like, you know, we know Amazon really well, 
but we don't know off, like off Amazon marketing very well at all. And so when we were bringing our VP of marketing, like that's going to like run like a lot of our Facebook ads and many chat and stuff like that. Like we could have just gone through and try to do our best interview, but it's ended going to be a cultural interview because we don't have like the smartest questions. So instead in the, in the final round, we actually had one of our friends, the Facebook expert interviewer. And like, I think that was just like a better strategy than us. Like, kind of guessing is that we just get somebody else to do like to do like a, that more important interview like that more technical interview and um and yeah that's kind of like been our approach sweet <clears throat> all right cool so i think that's we've covered pretty much everything that that i wanted to cover um in the in in while you're waiting for your you might not have to get up and yeah. i know fernando but in the next yeah. like five minutes people want to try to fire out some questions here we'll, we'll try to catch fernando before he goes if not uh Thank you, Fernando, if you have to run. <laughs> yeah, of course. Point. Um, and yeah, really, I've got like two minutes. Sorry. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, no, no we'll, we'll skip the questions yeah. then. Oh, um, no, I can, I can handle a few. I can handle oh, okay. a few. Okay. So uh, really quick though, tell people where they can find you. Like, you know, do, do the old plug, how, you, how people can contact you, kind of what you're into right now. I know you're doing seller trade craft. Like what, what other yeah. stuff are you doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're involved in uh, seller trade craft. One of the partners. Um, yeah, you can reach out to me there. We have a Facebook group and you can always just reach out if you have any questions at Fernando at Uh, yeah, like I mentioned, we're involved in like the pixel Fi um, software, which is kind of helping like building audiences and stuff. Um, and yeah, that's like pretty much it. So yeah, like feel free to reach out or if you guys have any questions, uh, I mean, I'm happy to try to help. Cool. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much for, uh, for jumping on it. I, I learned a lot. I know that. And uh, you know, the, 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 the thing that uh, you probably know, Fernando, is that the smartest and most successful entrepreneurs know they don't know everything, like you said. And <laughs> you have to seek knowledge wherever you can. You know, never, ever think you're the smartest guy in the room. Um, so yeah. that's, that, that's, uh, that's, you know, advice <laughs> that everyone should take. All right. Any quick questions people have before uh, Fernando needs to run? Drop them in the, in the uh, comments here real quick. If anybody has any. I know we're kind of... I think Amy was kind of watching them as they came in. Um, so initially, you said you were trying to you were trying to uh, launch a product like every month, one product per month. Do you recommend new people getting started try to go on that same scale, like try to launch one per month, or do you have any uh, advice there? Question. Um, I don't know if I would recommend that in the beginning. If, like assuming like you have like kind of limited capital. Um, and you're not like, we were running out of money. So we needed to figure it out really, really fast. Uh, yeah. because you know, we, we didn't have jobs anymore. I, if, if I were to do it more sustainably, I would probably launch one, see how it does, try to like learn from it and then like, and then go into the next one. But maybe like, meanwhile, you're searching for your next product, you've gotten your pricing, you've got all got all that stuff figured out, but just to make sure that like the one that you launched, like end up doing well. So if not, then you can learn from that experience. And I think that uh, would be probably my suggestion. Um, but yeah. Thank you. That's good advice. Yeah, it is. Yeah, no worries. <clears throat> um, what minimum to start would you recommend? You, you, Fernando mentioned starting with 200 units and his coach said it was not enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's tough. Um, I, honestly, I think it depends on your price point and stuff. I mean, I can tell you what we do. It's usually like each new product is about like we invest, I would say anywhere from like six to 12 grand. Um, I don't like that's, you know, probably on the higher end, but I would say usually about like a thousand units, give or take for like a lower price product is probably what I would say. Like if your, your cogs are around two or $3, I would probably tell like a student like, yeah, maybe get about a thousand units. Um, that gives you, you know, a few hundred 
to, um, to do in giveaways if you need to. And, you know, the whole point is to kind of test the product. Like if, if you run out of stock, like obviously that's not the ideal, um, but it, it gives you like at least like confirmation that it's a good product. And then you can uh, definitely order a lot more like the next go around. Amy, did you have any last questions real quick before uh, Fernando Jets? No, I just want to thank him so much. We learned so much, especially about scaling too. You know, that, yeah. that's something that I know Andy and I are both <laughs> struggling with right now. And so it's just great to hear from somebody else who's, who's working on that. I'm going to go get that book. You said Scaling Up. I'm going to go yeah. check it out. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, let me know what you guys think. And yeah, if you guys have any questions or anything, just let me know. Yeah, hit me up. Uh, yeah, I love talking about this stuff. So yeah, I'm happy to help. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Most, most, uh, most of uh, people who are doing this you know, like Amy and I too, we'll, we'll just like start talking about random stuff all day long. And it's like, we could do this all day long. Cause it's like, you know, super fun and interesting. And that's why a lot of us do this. Now, if you're in this room and you're not, you know, this stuff is like, you, you don't enjoy this stuff. You know, I, I've been listening to a book too. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but, uh, your buddy, uh, uh, on Neil Patel's podcast recommended it. Um, Oh, Eric Sue. Um, Eric Sue. Eric Sue yeah, recommended it. It was like, uh, it's like written in the 1950s. Here, I got to pull up my phone real quick and look at it. But I've been listening to that. I swear to God, it's like one of the best books like ever, but I have to laugh because they're huh. talking about like the war, like, you know, like World War II, I think. And uh, oh, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, but um, yeah, it's a fantastic book. Um, and it's more, it's more like uh, the magic of thinking big. Um, oh, I've heard that's good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like, fantastic like and you know my my son likes to listen to audiobooks and you know he's a huge like he always asked me to put put on rich dad poor dad which makes me proud but um he like like that this has changed his behavior just like listening to this book like in the background because you know it's all about like choosing your day like is today going to be a good day or a bad day and how like you decide like it like no matter what's going on around you when you get up in the morning you get to decide if it's a good day or a bad day like oh it's raining outside that sucks like guess what your day is going to suck because you're starting out on that negative point but if you get up and be like oh it's raining cool let's go run in the rain you know like yeah it's all perspective so um yeah that's that's a that's a pretty good one totally yeah that's awesome yeah it's all about yeah i know mindset or framing how you frame things is really really big yeah absolutely hey thanks again cool. Fernando. we're not gonna we're not gonna keep you any longer so you don't have to like you know sit there and be like is it my flight <laughs> yeah no worries yeah yeah i appreciate it Thanks again. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we'll have you again, uh, on again sometime soon in the near future. And, uh, yeah, cool, man. It was nice talking to you. Hopefully I'll see you at one of these conferences soon. Yeah. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Guys. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Fernando. Right. Have a good thanks, one. Thanks, Fernando. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> well, that right, was guys. super fun. It was. I'm going to, as, yeah. as usual, I'm going to hang out and, and do some follow-up <laughs> questions after the facts. Uh, extra innings. Extra Andy's innings always down with like extra innings. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, yeah, well, I'll jump off. But yeah, yeah. thanks again, guys. I appreciate All right. you hey, having me and everything. Thank you, Fernando. Have a good one. Yeah, no worries. Have a safe flight. Bye. Take care. Thanks. Bye. All right. Awesome. That was fun. Cool. That was awesome. Really good information and Absolutely. so much great advice yep. i absolutely love that and i've been the whole time he was he was talking i was like putting everything in chat for anyone who missed yeah, it i saw that thanks because <laughs> now, now i can just download that and put it in the show notes which makes it easy usually i have to like sit there and write it out so thanks amy <laughs> you're welcome well i usually do a blog post anyway afterwards as i'm editing the video i take notes i watch it again i always get 
I just get so much out of it, even watching it the second time around. I know. I, I saw you taking notes and I was laughing. I was like, Amy, you know, you can just go back and rewatch it, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to rewatch it. I like to take notes when no, I No, that's good. No, that is good because you're, like, you're writing on the good stuff. Gets it in the brain, you yeah, know? Yeah. I was writing down his, uh, his, like the way he calculates his sales price minus his fees, minus his PPC. He, he uh, averages 8 to 10% PPC. Yep. Um, so like that kind of stuff was really interesting. And I hadn't heard of that contribution margin. That was a new number. For yeah, me. I, mean, I have actually never heard that terminology either. So uh, that must be some high level stuff that we're going to have to dig <laughs> into. But um, we need new coaches. What? Right? Um, so, so yeah, but everyone, so, you know, it, it was cool to hear Fernando because, uh, you know, I've been telling people like not to use Jungle Scout and those kind of tools too. And nobody believes me. And it's good to hear from, you know, somebody who's doing that kind of volume agree. Um, you know, the sourcing products is, is, a, is an art more than a science, I think. Um, and so I definitely think that, um, you know, he says he, he's not doing it with his passion. Like I said, that's just, you know, if you can do it with your passion, I say, go for it. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, sometimes your, your passion is not going to translate to, to Amazon. Um, but that being said, um, make sure that what you're getting to, you, you can, you know, learn to be passionate about because you're going to want to be able to be passionate about that. Um, but not only that, um, you know, the, the, uh, the AliExpress testing thing, um, definitely, like I said, I think you guys should really try that because the, the risk is so low. You can yeah. literally test products for under a hundred bucks. You know, you can throw up and he was saying scale as well. That's how we did it. We, we grew so quickly because we have over 600 SKUs now. And how that happened is we literally just continue to test products. The other cool thing about doing that, what people don't realize is you might throw a product on there that doesn't do well. And all of a sudden... Amazon changes their algorithm or something happens and all of a sudden that, that product starts popping. And it's something that you put up two months ago that you forgot about because it was one of your sourcing tests that you moved on from. But now all of a sudden you got, you know, you might have a little extra inventory that's sitting there. Um, and then all of a sudden that starts selling as well. So it's a, uh, it's definitely a, you know, you can think of Amazon in two different ways. Some people have like, you know, two products, five products, something like that. Other people have hundreds. Um, so you know, that's kind of how you, you, you can approach Amazon in a lot of different ways. Just keep thinking about that when you're, when you're, uh, you know, when you're starting out or when you, when you're trying to grow. Yeah. I loved how he said, you know, we launched like five products and all, and they had a coach at the time and it was all like, they all flopped. They were all bad. Right. And, and, but then he hit that fifth product and just took off. And then they were like, okay, well now we're going to, we know it's possible so they use that momentum to, you know, go into all these other markets and everything. And I just, I love that because, you know, I think so many of us have similar stories, yeah. you know, that. Yeah. So, so Greg on the, the shipping for, um, uh, AliExpress, um, what you want to do is look for, um, like some of, some things will have like, uh, quantity discounts, um, but you also don't have to order a ton. I mean, you're, you're literally just doing a quick test. So, I mean, like even if you're doing 10 or something like that, um, the other place you can go if AliExpress isn't giving you good results is there's another, another website that, that pretty much nobody knows about. And I use this a lot too when I was first starting out. It's wholesale.alibaba.com. Let me make sure it's still... Or wholesaler, maybe it is. Uh, let me see. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> so it's similar to AliExpress where it's probably a lot of like tra- traders and things like that, but you can get larger quantities, but then still get the discount of like DHL and stuff like that. So that's definitely a, a useful resource if, you, if you're not finding what you need on, on uh, AliExpress. Yeah. And DHgate is another one. It doesn't have as, DHgate doesn't have as much um, 
in terms of like options. Yeah. But I've often found products on DHgate that I haven't found on AliExpress. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, the other thing that you can do too is just contact the seller. If they know you're buying a larger quantity, like on AliExpress, they're setting a price because they think you're buying one. Um, yeah. A lot of times if you reach out to them and contact them and say, hey, I want 100, can you, you know, give me a deal or send me this on DHL? Then they'll, you know, nine out of 10 times, they'll figure it out because they want your business. So um, uh, another trick that you can do as well, which this works really well, a lot of people don't know this trick, is get your own DHL account. Because then what will happen is, is you could say, here's my DHL account. <laughs> this, this is what my guy says it's going to cost me. Here's the label. You know, like that's the other way you can do it is, is you say, uh, don't charge, you know, here's my shipping label. How much does it weigh? How big is the box? Here it is. Um, you know, that's a, another way that you can do it to, to kind of get out of them uh, either charging exorbitant fees on the, on the shipping. Um, you know, generally, the reason why AliExpress is that way is because they're just, like I said, not built for, for large quantities. Yeah, they're so used to people use, doing the drop shipping, right? right. Or right. just ordering one at a time, people using the app or whatever, that, of course, they're trying to get more money out of it. But. So, Lori, Matt, matching up the things you see on AliExpress and seeing if they sell seems like a mystery. <sighs> yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you really, um, you, you, just have to, you just have to test. I mean, that's kind of the theory here is it, it's going to be really hard to like just a gleam a great product off the bat. So... Um, mm -hmm. You know, like Amy mentioned before, and Amy and I have mentioned before, it's like, you know, Google Trends, uh, Wish.com, um, you know, just yeah. go and find like other uh, Groupon, find other websites that are, you know, that, that you can browse their catalog, which pretty much any e-commerce site, you can do that, eBay, you know, wherever, and see what's trending there. Now, I don't necessarily think you should trend or source those products because they, they're probably going to be super saturated. Yeah. But those are good to look at category-wise and maybe products that might go along with that or um, you know maybe maybe something in that same um, niche that's underserved um, just use those for ideas and it'll start saturating your brain and you'll start coming up with with you know ideas that that may work um, what a lot of people don't realize is uh, a really cool thing to do and I know that uh, Amy does this a lot is think about when you're sourcing a product what will go with that product because guess what if you're selling um, you know, uh, a kitty litter um, uh, solution, you know that they have cats, right? So now you've got this whole other market of cat toys and, uh, you know, uh, you know, whatever else you're doing, like you, you all of a sudden now you've got this category that you already have a base of customers for. And um, I unfortunately source like a thousand and that, you know, Fernando said like, Hey, buy a thousand of something. But not, when you're just starting out, that's why we, we suggest you guys start on, he started long ago when it was easy to buy a thousand. And, and when you know how to launch a thousand is easy because you're ready for giveaways. You're, but if you've never launched a product before, you, you definitely want to test it first and, yeah. and kind of just, but yeah, I, I, I had to, I was forced because <laughs> I ordered a thousand of these cat toy sets and they were basically copycats and, um, and of another product, um, that was like a set of 20 cat toys or whatever. And, um, and so, yeah, it was totally saturated. It took me, the margins weren't good. It took me forever to sell them. So I just started like, okay, I'm going to sell them at Christmas. I'm going to stuff them in cat in Christmas stockings and sell them that way. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to sell them inside of a pet snack jar. I'm going to sell cat toys any way that I can sell them. Get so creative me, people. Yeah. So for me, I was just like, I was determined. I'm like, I am going, I have a thousand units of these damn cat toys. I'm going to get rid of them. And I also used them uh, with Sifties. I put them in the box with Sifties, and that actually brought me a couple five star reviews because they were like, 
ooh, that was classy. You know, I didn't expect to get this surprise of cat toys in my, uh, in my Siffy's box. Right. But, uh, so yeah, I just like whatever you, you can think of to, it, it kind of forces you to be creative when your product is not selling or one of your products isn't selling. But again, that's another reason to source small. I, I had to do that because I had a thousand of them to get rid of. <laughs> so, so I'm so, still trying to get rid of them three years later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Tanner says he's driving. He wants to ask a question. So, all right, Tanner, you are unmuted. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Amy, so you know my situation that I am going to try and go through uh, something I am passionate about. Yeah. And uh, what happens whenever you kind of reach that point where you're selling a lot of the things uh, that are in that certain niche? Uh, do you just start, uh, like, in order to scale, do I just uh, start a new brand? and Or what happens at that point? So what Tanner's asking is he's in a very specific niche and he's going to start with a, a unique product in that niche. And then he's saying, once I get to the point where I'm selling a whole lot in that niche and I'm kind of, I'm kind of out of stuff to sell in that niche, do I move on? Do I do I create a new brand? Do I keep going? So I'd love to hear your opinion on that, Andy. Yeah. So I, I wish I would have caught him sooner um, because what I tell a lot of people, um, starting out, especially like, um, even though you want to you want to be, um, you know, niche based, um, you know, people say niche. I don't know. I've, I've said niche my whole life. So I'm sticking with that. Um, I know that's probably not the correct way, but tomato, tomato, right. Um, but anyway, um, what I tell people when they're first starting out, if they have not like trademarked their brand, um, then what I tend, I don't know if your brand is trademarked yet. If not, I would seriously, seriously, seriously look into um, a generic brand name. And, I, and I'm, I, when I say generic, I don't mean when people hear generic, they, mean, they think like crappy, not crappy, like something that can be used in multiple categories. Because if you do something like we did when we first started out, it's very weird to sell a product in a different um, uh, niche that's, um, you know, that doesn't relate to your brand name. Now, you can start a new brand, but then then you all of a sudden now you have to do a new brand registry every time if you want you know if you want brand protection if you want usually brands get better you know uh, you know PP, PPC stuff gets released to them sooner they just have so better. what he's telling you is don't name your if you're selling in the water bottle category don't name your brand water bottle yeah. name it Zoom yeah, and then exactly. sell everywhere so right. then look, later look at, when you want to move on you're already registered and you can easily move on to more categories and you just yep. add those categories to your trademark yep absolutely yeah so that's really really what i suggest to do if like i said if i wish i had me when i was starting out i would have done um something like that our second brand is very much like that um you know what we went for is something that was five letters long that was very memorable and that i could find the domain name those were the criteria and um, you know, it, it's when we created it, it, you know, we could long form it and call it something, but we ended up just using the short form because guess what? Super easy to remember. Um, and we can use it for any brand category now. So, you know, done. If we want to go into, you know, office supplies or, uh, you know, water, the water bottles or whatever we want to do now, it doesn't matter because that brand's done. So you don't have to spend that extra energy creating a whole new brand every time you want to try a new category or get into a new category. So that is my um, advice. Yeah. And then obviously, yeah, keep expanding. Keep moving beyond that, yeah. that initial niche. Once you max out that niche, you know, yeah, keep going. Why not? 
Yeah, the, the funny thing is when when Fernando was saying that they were doing uh, one product a month, I, I I mean our products, a lot of our products uh, are you know are lower cost, and so we do a lot of volume, um, <clears throat> and they're they're you know back then they were fairly easy to source. Um, but what's funny is is like my goal uh, even during a year or two ago was to onboard a new product every two weeks, so that's what I was doing there for a while, and and my wife was just screaming at me because I was onboarding onboarding products so quickly. And, you know, back then it was just me. So I will like, I wasn't optimizing the listings and I wasn't optimizing the PPC and I was letting all the other stuff like go to the wayside because I was so concerned with onboarding new products. So, um, you know, just be aware of that is, is onboard a lot of products quickly, but caveat, make sure that it's not going to take away from all the other essentials that you're doing. Um, I keep seeing my, uh, my, my thug life tattoos when I let my dog. Lori says, so Andy, would you do it different now? Oh yeah. So now's a difference, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different game. Of course, you know, I started in 2013 and back then it was like, you put something up and it sells like immediately. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I had a marketing, I, you know, I've been doing startups since I was like 18 years old. So, I mean, I probably had an easier time than most. Um, cause I already had some foundation on business and I had a, I had a seven figure app business before this. So I, I had a lot of like marketing and technical background and, and, you know, a little bit of business background, business stuff is still one of my weaknesses and what I'm trying to learn a lot more because, you know, by running larger companies, you have to be, you know, skilled at, at managing people more so than what you're doing. Uh, kind of like Fernando was talking about. So that's kind of what I'm really concentrating on now. How, what I would do differently. Um, honestly, I probably wouldn't do too much differently except for, um, I would really try to, uh, drill down on, um, you know, kind of my, my, a longer vision, like when I was doing it, then I was just kind of doing it to do it. Um, I would probably try to plot things out a little bit better. Um, back then I wasn't looking at PPC costs. I wasn't looking at even looking at my margin. It was just kind of like, Hey, there's this Amazon thing. I'm going to buy stuff because my wife doesn't want to work anymore because we're having our first child. You know, that was kind of how we started out. So it was like, how can we make extra money with her staying at home? Um, we kind of stumbled onto Amazon actually, because it was kind of like, Hey, this stuff's actually selling. Like we need to order more. And, um, you know, and we, I think we put our first couple of orders on a credit card. I mean, um, we probably had the money, but I was just like, ah, let's try it. You know, let's do this. I'm not saying you should charge up your credit cards. Um, but I'm just saying that like, uh, definitely do your due diligence. That's what I would do differently now out of anything, but I would probably still source the way I did back then by, you know, smaller quantities, um, you know, 100, 200, 300 units. Uh, of course, that depends on the price point. Um, but, you know, I would still probably do the testing because to me, that's one of the best ways that you're going to number one, learn how to sell on Amazon and number two, to, to mitigate your risks. Um, so that's, I can't really think of too much else I would change. Uh, well, actually, no, I know something I would change definitely back then. Now it's probably not as applicable is I would have just put more and more money into it sooner. If I would have done it back then, I'd probably be at Fernando's level right now. But, um, you know, I was still working full time back then, you know, which was stupid. My wife, you know, pretty much had to move us two hours from away from my job and me like hating my commute so much for me to quit. Thank God she, you know, she put me through that hell because it made me realize, you know, I already didn't like my job. So this was like, that was the nail in the coffin. And, uh, you know, at the time I, I was pissed at her, but Thank goodness that was the best thing that ever happened because I I don't think I'd ever go back to doing that. Yeah, and I for me I launched like I said like four products in the beginning, but it was based on my business plan, based on studying my niche and everything. And luckily, I was able to um, 
I got samples for all of them, you know, made sure that I, I, uh, you know, was really focused on what I was doing. Um, now when it comes to scaling, uh, yeah, now I'm ready to start getting into some more brands because I've learned, you know, I've learned from launching these first few products and, and, and going down that road. So I kind of recommend the same thing. Like if I had it to do over again, um, yeah, I would still launch products with my niche. I would still write a business plan. I would still study my market and do my homework. I'd absolutely do all of those things. Um, but I, you know, I probably would have done some smaller tests first had I known some of these additional tips, you know. Um, and I would have gone straight to China, man. <laughs> had I known that Alibaba was so crazy, I would have gone to China. Oh my gosh! But uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn that lesson this year. So that, that's uh, that's one other thing, real quick, just to jump in, uh, like you were saying, saying Amy. One of the, one of the, there is Lori. One thing that I really wish I would have done much sooner on, not only for my Amazon business but for my software business, is hire staff. It's always so you're always so scared because you're like, oh, this is an extra monthly payment that you know that's going to come out of my pocket. But if you hire the right people early on, like they're just going to scale your business for you. I mean, it's like the, the, the old adage that like, while you're sleeping, you're making money and somebody else is making you money. Um, you know, rich dad, poor dad, go listen to that book. If you haven't, it's, you know, absolutely changed our lives. Um, Mine too. Because you, you need to realize that like, you need to put your money to work for you and you can't be afraid of money and you can't be afraid to take risks. You can't be afraid. Every time you, you get afraid of something, that's when you, that's a roadblock. Every time you put a new roadblock up, that's what's going to stop you from, from actually, you know, doing something. Now you're going to fail. You can't be afraid to fail. Um, when we first started out, I think within the first couple of months, we got suspended from Amazon. Um, you know, so, and it was devastating. Um, and then I think other people, if you've listened to my awesomers, I did a, a podcast with uh, awesomers is the name of the podcast. It's another Amazon podcast, but I kind of tell my whole life story, which is hilarious. But um, I tell that like we had a seven figure app business. So with Google seven figures, like I literally remember being down in Mexico at an all-inclusive resort, sitting next to the pool, getting drinks handed to me, and looking at my my phone and seeing that, like, you know, it's 10 a.m. You've made four thousand dollars. I was just like, holy sh- expletive! But, I mean, <laughs> and then and then and then Google, you know, and then and then fast forward like a year later or two years later, whenever it was, getting an email from Google saying, "Hey, we've closed your account. You violated some policy." So I've gone now from making, you know, this passive income that's coming in every day to zero. Um, and so that sucked and, and I was devastated. Don't get me wrong. But what we did was we rolled right back into Amazon. I, I was, and it was one of those things like Fernando was talking about when you're forced to do something, when you put yourself on the edge, that's when you're going to start performing. Cause you have to, if you get, get yourself in this little warm, you know, cozy, you know, uh, you know, I've got lots of money to work with, or, you know, I've got my full-time job. And so I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not saying you should quit your job. You should definitely make sure you've got a plan before you do that. All I'm saying is that, you know, don't be afraid to take risks and to, um, you know, to, to try things because that's the only way you're going to be successful. You don't try anything, no risk, no reward. That's like the, you know, the oldest saying in the book, but it's true. Yeah. And like Lori said, Hey, uh, you mean physically go to China? And I said, yes, physically, because like Andy was talking about during our AliExpress thing that we were talking about having somebody that can source from 1688. The, the bottom line is Alibaba is this narrow, tiny list of products, right? That is t- probably most of them are already saturated, right? If you go to Canton Fair, it's 217 football fields, 
60,000 booths and you're working directly with manufacturers, not some trading company that's going to up the price. So you're going to be able to source products that that you don't even see on Alibaba, like things that so much out of so many different materials, you're working directly with the factories, you set the cost. Like it's totally a different ball game, you know? So, and I know it seems scary to go to China, right? But it's not that expensive. You can get a plane ticket for like 600 bucks, you know? I mean, I, I get it. It's scary. Uh, but there are so many, you know, you gotta, it's kind of like using product sourcing software, right? If everybody else is using it, and all the courses out there say, they, they tell you, go on Alibaba, get samples, source this product. Well, who else do you think is all going on Alibaba? All the other millions of sellers trying to start on Amazon. So just, you can do some things to set yourself apart. And if you can't physically go to uh, China, you may be able to do kind of like Andy's done and hire some people that can help you out with that. It's just beware because there are a lot of people ready to take advantage of you. Sourcing agents that are not good sourcing agents. And, uh, you know, every student in China is going to tell you they could be a sourcing agent for you because they've been taught that. But, uh, but anyway, you know, so just make sure that you learn first so that you can make informed business decisions. Kind of like Fernando said, hey, I'm going to hire the right coach, right? Uh, so that, you know, and I'm going to make sure that I interview him with somebody who's smarter on it than me. So, uh, you know, definitely check the resources, but, uh, yeah, it's worth it. A hundred percent. I wish I had done it earlier. Cool. Yeah. That's fantastic. I agree. <laughs> For once I'm speechless. <laughs> Lori says the Amazon part is way scarier than China to me. <laughs> take, take the fear out. Just remove the fear there. Just try it. Just do it. Yeah. Just get some products out there. And that's like, that's one of the first homework assignments I give people if they haven't even put anything like before you, before you start private label, just get it out there. That's why we said, you know, go out on AliExpress and who cares if it bombs. Or, or even, or like you said, I, I'm not a huge fan of retail arbitrage. You know, you've heard me say that, but that's because I don't know it. But, um, you know, even so, I would say like, you know, go to your local Walmart and scan some stuff. And even if you're going to break even, just to learn the process. So you get that. Yeah. Fear. Like when I first, I remember that, uh, that definitely something else I would change, Lori, is when I first started, I was like deathly afraid of FBA because I didn't understand. I was like, wait, so... I send the products to Amazon and they put it in their warehouse and then they ship it out. But then how do I get my money? And what, like, it was just so confusing to me. Um, but once you figure out FBA, it's so simple and yeah. it's so amazing that you go, Holy crap. Like I can literally exponentially scale. Like what's for what Fernando has done, which I said, you know, that's probably my biggest mis mistake was not hiring people to scale fast enough. Mm -hmm. is they've got a system in place. They literally like, like you said, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm out skiing this weekend and traveling because I can do that. Cause I've got a, a minion of people, uh, you know, a whole slew of people Working doing the work business. for me. I just, yeah. you know, I just give them the keys. I show them how to drive the car and then they go and do it. You know, like I'm fine taking a smaller piece of a bigger pie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So don't be afraid to, 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 you know, scale or, or start. I mean, first thing Lori is, just get over that fear of starting. I mean, once you do that, once you, once you learn that, that the basics, then all the other stuff's just going to seem like cake. Yep, definitely. Awesome. Yes. Sell those bunny slippers. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm going to sign off Andy. Um, right, and thank yeah. you guys all for coming today. This was awesome. And it was, yeah, as usual, Andy. So let's talk about really quick next Tuesday, we're going to do advanced PPC. 
Yep. Right. We're going to do some more. We'll, we'll answer basic questions too. I know it's scary. Don't be scared, Lori, (laughs) but we're going to give some really good tips too, right? Some really good, like easy tips to to get moving. Um, so, you know, we kind of covered like the basics of PPC. So you can go back and and watch that video and kind of do your homework again. But now we'll talk about some more advanced techniques. Um, and And then for once once I'm going to plug my own software and I'll probably do a screen (laughs) share and show you kind of how, um, you know, how you can do stuff manually and then how mm-hmm. you can use uh, seller SEO's PPC tools to like optimize stuff in like seconds rather than like hours. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's so. super, it's super easy. So yeah, yeah, I definitely recommend checking that out, but yeah, we'll see you guys. I'll see you guys in a week or so. Okay. Yay. And then the following week, Hey, the following week, I'm bringing in my friend Kristen from Nectar house and we're going to teach you guys how to talk about your differentiation. Like how to differentiate your product, how to think about your business and make it seem different. Like how do you differentiate your business and your product lines? Because a lot of people struggle with that. They're like, I, I sell anti-aging cream and you know, it, you, you, can, you can fix your DNA. Well, what the hell does that mean? You know, is that your customer? What your customer what's going to sell your customer? So we're going to teach you how to really like think about the differentiation of our product and be able to speak to it and then put it in your listing so it's actually helping you sell, right? So, uh, yeah, so I'm excited about doing that with Kristen too. So, yeah. all right, I'm going to get out of here and I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks or next week. See you, Amy. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Amy. Thank you. All right, guys, I'm going to hang here for probably another couple minutes unless there's no questions and I'll probably jump off because I got works to do. Just hire it out. Uh, that's what I'm working on right now is no, just kidding. Trying, to, trying to manage the staff and scale. When you first, I know you've been in the game for a zillion years, but when you hey, were, hey, 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 oh, you're dating me. No, not that you look it. No, no. So in the beginning, though, you got you've got one little product, two products, three products. Great, you're testing this, testing that. Sure. Yes, you would have known about AliExpress. You might have done it differently and done forty rather than five hundred. Right. Whether you test it with a ton of units or not, there still comes a point where you where you. You start with literally one pro- one product, and it's a trinket of some sort. No moving parts, no batteries. You still need to do PPC, the launch, the whole thing, as if it's your 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 main yep. you know bread and butter. So you do all that, but when when is it the right time to? Um, I have so many questions. To to say start that second product. When do you let it go? Okay, so 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 I'll just give you a quick example of kind of how how I would see that playing out, like how that how that can play out. So you know you, you're sourcing your first product, and um, it's you know this this wonderful bo- bottle of stevia, right? <clears throat> so you source a generic one though. Not to say that I would source that from China. That's probably not something you'd want to source from China. But anyway, I'm using that as an example. Um, so you, so you source that product and you, and, and, you know, you get like, you know, like I said, like 20 of them or maybe 50 or a hundred, depending on the price point, probably like a hundred is a good, I always like to do around a hundred cause that, that's enough to, to do a, a decent test, but not so much that it would put you in the poorhouse if it fails. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so order like a hundred, um, then you, you do want, you want the listing built, you want the PPC campaign, and then you want to do some type of launch. But what you need to realize is you don't want, you don't need to spend much. I mean, to, to test it, you maybe need to spend, you know, maybe a hundred, 200 bucks max on PPC and then maybe like, uh, you know, give, you know, maybe, maybe give away like, or, or discount like five or 10 or, you know, a fairly small number. Why you're doing that is you want to rank, but you're not trying to get to page one. You're not trying to do anything. You're just trying to see if that product's going to sell. Um, yes. you know, the conversion rate, 
um, if there's a demand for it, um, you know, if, if people are responding to the way that you're, you've listed, you know, you've done your product listing. So in other words, you're, you're just doing this little test now. <clears throat> okay. Now what you want to start looking at is, is, you know, is, is every day is, is, Every day, you know, do you start out selling two? Then are you selling four? Then are you selling six? Then are you selling ten? So once you start seeing that trajectory, you go, okay, this is probably a viable product because every day that it's selling, it's growing a little bit. Um, now, as that's going, that's when you want to start, you know, really starting to look and 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 when you start the test, you should already be starting to look for a supplier that can that can supply that product in high quantities. So as this is going, you're already, you've already got somebody like as the stuff's being shipped to you from AliExpress, you've already got somebody dialed in after that to go and get that product um, in case it does take off because, because what you want to do is now this won't work for heavy stuff. Now this sourcing will not work for like, you know, if you're trying to sell like an office chair because you have to wait for, you know, C shipping, this will work for smaller products um, in the beginning, because you're going to have to get by air to replenish that inventory quickly. Quickly, now, once yeah. You, once you do that, once you prove that product, that's when you've got you've got uh, you know some data that shows you you know you're selling 500 a month or whatever. That's when you start you know you you bring the air in to even if you're breaking even just to keep the 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 um, that listing um, continually growing. And then as that's growing, then that's when you start doing the uh, shipping by sea. Um, and where, where you start improving your margins. So you have to look at it as a long game, but that's kind of an example of how you would test using AliExpress. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, it does make sense. So as I've ordered my <coughs> 50 or 100 units to test, watching my numbers all along, as well as at the same time, having a, a cheaper supplier in China ready with, with a backup order, right. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Really, in the beginning, as a brand new seller in this domain, like we've done business and ship containers of chemicals to Canada for years, but this is a whole new ball game, the whole Amazon thing. So, and they're tinier, and there's more logistic, tiny things. When you ship a big container, it's almost easier, right? You know, in a actually, lot of ways, it's actually not at all. Uh, air, air shipment is actually super easy because you're not dealing with any. You're not dealing with duties. You're not dealing with. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. orders, you're not doing anything because, uh, you know, I mean, it depends how you set it up, but generally when you're shipping by air, all those duties and everything is, are included in the cost. Um, and so, you know, it's coming directly okay. either directly to you or it's going directly to Amazon. Um, you know, it, it, on your first order, like I said, I would not send it direct to Amazon because you want to actually get, you know, touch and feel those products, make sure they're quality before you send them off to, to Amazon. Um, but, um, you know, you definitely... Uh, it, it, all this stuff sounds so scary, but just, you know, this is a cool way to not spend a ton of money and just figure out how the process works. Yeah. I think uh, because of our uh, unique geographical situation, we'll have to, So yeah. I, I, I pay for a sample to actually touch it myself. I don't mind paying extra for that to get it to where we are, but for the initial 50 to hundred units to test, I think I would send it to a prep station. I, I don't yep. have a lot of yeah, other you, options. Yeah, you could, you could do that and then and make sure that they, you know, make sure it's a prep station that, that's able to unwrap one of them, take photos for you, uh, you know, at least maybe touch the product. And yes, the yeah. other option is to hire somebody, um, a freelancer in China to actually get the samples sent to them. And then like we have an employee in China and it's very rare that we get samples anymore. She does the quality assurance for us. So we say, hey, you know, we want a sample from this company, this company, this company, she gets it. She does a video for us, like showing us the product, giving us her opinion on which one's the best quality, the best price. 
um, stuff like that. So that's an, yeah. another option too. That would save a lot of time as well. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's really good to have a Chinese uh, speaker on your side when they're sourcing and doing things like that. So that's also something. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a, a better plan than waiting for it to get all the way to the USA anyway. The time to wait for that. Yep. Um, so a person like that, you guys are not that fired up about Upwork, but that's probably where I would have gone for a... Well, actually, um, Upwork uh, is where you want to go in this case because that's ah. where you're going to find people from China. The online jobs is, is, is Filipino-based. Okay. Um, so, you, I mean, you might find some people in the Philippines who can help you like find products, uh, you know, do sourcing, but uh, they probably won't be too good for the... Which one did you say is better for the um, Philippine... Uh, online uh, jobs. It's onlinejobs.ph. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, I'm familiar with that a little bit. So Jeffrey asked, um, would love to see uh, comma uh, del- delimited keywords in the Pandora search field. So in other words, you want to be able to put in multiple keywords. Uh, that's an interesting um, suggestion. Yeah, we'll try to, we'll try to integrate that. Um, <clears throat> the reason we kept it kind of tight is just because you're going to get so many um, search results um, if you put in a bunch of keywords. But maybe we'll, we'll, we'll let you do like five or something. Um, I'm not sure what the API limit is on that, so, uh, but we'll try to make that happen, Jeffrey. Thanks for the suggestion. All right. Anybody else have any follow-ups to what, uh, what we just talked about? Let me know. If not, I'm going to jump off here in a, in a mm-hmm. couple. So good. So good. I've got to run too. All right, Thank Lori. you, Andy. Yeah, yeah no problem. My pleasure. Awesome. No worries. Have a great one. Uh, filtering out for results from you're already getting. Oh, so in other words, yeah. So we're actually working on that um, where it, you, you're saying that the keywords are duplicated. Yeah. So we're, we're working on that. There'll be a, uh, an update soon where it'll only show you, um, you know, a keyword once. And we're also going to rate those keywords for you as well. So it'll show you like which keyword is the most popular keyword that all of your competitors are converting from. All right, guys. Well, I think looks like, uh, Looks like we covered everything. All right, guys. Um, I'm going to step off. Um, I actually had... Um, I did a one-on-one um, interview with Joe uh, Reichfeld, who's a like a, an expert at, at Pinterest, and he's been doing e-commerce for a super long time. Um, I haven't updated it or released it yet, but um, it'll be in the, the Amazon FBA Titans group. Um, and I'll, I'll maybe pass it on to Amy too, so she can uh, post it to, to her channels as well. Um, but that's a really cool uh, interview, and, and uh, Joe kind of talks about how essential it is to, uh, you know, make sure you got a solid uh, listing, how how you need to look at competitors' listings, um, and then also how to utilize Pinterest. So, all right, guys, I'm out of here. Thanks again, and uh, everybody have a great day. And thanks, thanks again for joining us. We will see you next week. Later. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at SellerRoundTable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, SellerSEO.com and AmazingAtHome.com.